0: Ever try a buckwheat pillow? They are nothing like those fluffy clouds that most of us are used to. You know that feeling when your pillow seems to betray you and it collapses under the weight of your head and no matter what you do, you can't fix it? Well, Hulo Pillow is here to change that. They sent me one and it's pretty unique. Even Rudy, my cat, likes it. And you can try it out too and get a discount with the code POWER. HULO PILLOW supports your head and neck unlike those flimsy pillows that leave you feeling like you've been in a wrestling match all night and forget about flipping to the cool side constantly. Hulo pillow stays cool and dry, making sweaty nights a thing of your past. And you can customize your comfort. Add or remove the filling to get the perfect fit for you. Try it for 60 nights, risk-free. And if it's not your jam, you just ship it back for a refund. So go to hulopillow.com power for up to $20 off per pillow when you buy multiple pillows, plus free shipping on every order. Again, that's Hulu. H-U-L-L-O pillow slash power. One of my biggest struggles in early sobriety was falling asleep, and even now, years in, sometimes my brain is just too active and too anxious to rest. This used to cause a lot of stress for me, but now I take Tenasi before bed and it helps me relax and get to sleep. My husband has even said that he has never seen me sleep deeper. As a former scientist, I appreciate Tenasi's commitment to science and research. They provided a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. This team of scientists discovered Tanasi's one-of-a-kind, patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula. Studies show that it's twice as effective as CBD alone and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university to support ongoing research. If you're struggling with anxiety or trouble sleeping, then I encourage you to give Tanasi a try. It comes in a variety of different forms like lotions, soft gels, gummies, tinctures, and drink concentrates. I've been using the tincture before bed. Go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Tired of your gut feeling like it's been through more drama than a reality TV show? Say goodbye to the chaos and hello to a gut that's as peaceful as a Zen garden with symbiotic plus from ritual. Let's be real. Alcohol turns your gut into a wild roller coaster ride, leaving you feeling more queasy than thrilled. Say goodbye to the gut battles and inflammation wars. And with 25% off with the code POWER, this is a great excuse to give your gut the TLC that it deserves. So whether you're starting your day with a green smoothie or hitting up your favorite Starbies for a coffee, make sure to add Symbiotic Plus to your daily routine. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash power. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and today I want to talk about the idea of not being ready to quit drinking. So if you've ever been in sober Facebook groups, then you've probably seen some comments saying you're just not ready yet, or maybe they've even been said to you before. These comments used to infuriate me but now that I'm sober, I see how true it is. It's a long process to get ready to quit drinking, and most of the time we say we wanna stop drinking when really we just wanna drink less. 99% of the time, when I said I was never going to drink again, I really was just desperate to find a way to drink less. I think one important step that you can take is acknowledging that maybe you don't want to actually quit Maybe you just want to find a way to drink less. So then you shouldn't beat yourself up for not quitting when you don't actually want to quit. So in this episode, I'm going to share what it means to not be ready yet and steps that you can take to accelerate the process so you can quit for good. So let's dig in. We talked about stages of change and wanting to drink without the consequences in episode 91, but the worst stage to be in is when you want to quit drinking, but you're not doing anything about it. So this might look like waking up in the morning and saying, I'm never drinking again, or I'm not drinking today, but by the afternoon, your motivation fades and you start talking yourself back into drinking. And the reason this keeps happening is because you wake up hungover, filled with shame and regret, and the pain that your drinking causes is right in front of your face. It sucks, and you wish you could get out of the loop. But as the day goes on, your hangover fades, and although the shame and regret is still there, it's starting to be replaced by your reasons for drinking. Stress and responsibilities pile up. Maybe you don't have any boundaries, so you have a lot of negative interactions with other people. Maybe your job is really unfulfilling and makes you unhappy. Maybe your kids or your spouse stress you out. And your mental health is probably affected by all the alcohol you're drinking too. You could feel anxious or depressed. And we know that alcohol fixes those problems. So as the day goes on, the hangover and other negatives fade and are replaced by why you need to drink. So then you go home and drink. And this is the same process that happens for people who are sober and relapse. It's just a longer process. So over time, our reasons for quitting start to become less powerful and our reasons for drinking and why drinking is good gain power. I talked about this in a previous episode that I'll put in the show notes for you and how we look back on our drinking fondly, even though most of the memories are bad. The way that we value alcohol is always changing. And you can see that in the example I gave with how you're never drinking again, but then you drink that same night, In the morning, you value alcohol pretty low because it just made you very miserable and you feel that pain. As the day goes on, though, the amount that you value alcohol increases. Think of it as a scale of 0 to 100. So in the morning, you value alcohol at like a 0, and you might value sobriety and making a change at a 50 Because you're suffering so much, but as the day goes on the numbers start to switch. By the end of the day, you might still value sobriety and making a change at a 50, but now your reasons for why you need alcohol become so apparent that you value alcohol at an 80. And once you value alcohol more than you value sobriety, it's going to be pretty hard to not drink. And this happens quickly too, if you've ever had an emotional trigger, you might be six months sober and live in your best sober life, but something happens that shoots up the amount you value alcohol to like a 90 and then you immediately drink. We value alcohol so much because we think it fixes our problems and it instantly changes the way that we feel. So you can also think sobriety is important, but when you have no tools, alcohol has a better chance of winning. So the best thing that you can do to accelerate the getting ready process is to learn some coping skills. Drinking halts our emotional maturity and one reason many of us are drawn to drinking is because we don't have any coping skills in the first place. I didn't have any and that's why I kept turning to external things like food, exercise, and alcohol to try to fix my overwhelming emotions. If you just stop drinking... And you never develop any coping skills, then you probably won't be sober forever because you're just relying on willpower. I always recommend learning these skills by working with a therapist, but if that isn't something you can do because of health insurance, finances, or where you live in the world, then you can also learn these skills from podcasts, books, and having mentors. Find someone who has what you want, and study them. And podcasts and books about mental health can teach you how to cope and develop the tools you need to work through emotions. And I try to share as many coping skills as I can with you in here so that you can work on them on your own. So let's go back to the example of someone who wakes up and says, I'm not drinking again, but then a bunch of stuff piles on throughout the day and then they drink anyway. If instead this person had some tools, they would be able to navigate the hard stuff in their day-to-day life without turning to alcohol to take the edge off. We have to use things like alcohol, food, or sex because we're carrying so much and we don't know how to unload any of it. Coping skills and tools help you unload all the crap that you're carrying around. I want you to be able to get to a place where you don't have to stuff everything down and try to ignore it, and instead you're able to process things, work through stress and discomfort, and move through it. When we don't work through things, our problems just stick with us, and that's why we're so drawn to alcohol, because it's the only thing we know that can give us some relief. And maybe it's making you feel bad when I keep saying you probably don't have any tools. But admitting that is really helpful. I say it all the time when people ask me about my drinking or I do an interview on another podcast. I say I had no tools. I had no skills. I didn't know how to deal with anything. And admitting that can help you start to learn these tools. It's not your fault that you didn't grow up learning coping skills or that you didn't have tools to work through stress in healthy ways modeled for you, but now as an adult, it is your responsibility to learn those tools. So if you're in that place and you feel like you don't have any tools, I just want you to admit it. Feel free to admit it to me if you don't want to tell anyone else. But if you have no tools, just say it. You have no tools. It is what it is. So you can start to learn these tools while you're drinking. You don't have to be sober and then you learn the tools. That's what I did. I went to therapy and I just complained the whole time about how overwhelmed I was. But because I was drinking, I did not have the mental clarity and self-awareness to fully comprehend my situation and see the cause and effect of my drinking. But I did make a little bit of progress, so it is possible. When I quit for good, though, I made a ton of progress in therapy because I was actually clear and aware. You can also make some good progress by having a sober mentor or a sponsor and attending meetings. So I want to talk about six different coping skills and strategies so you have an idea of what tools you might want to develop. Number one, this is always my favorite one. I'm going to repeat it to you forever. Reframing and adjusting your perspective. I've talked about avoidance behavior and reframing in some previous episodes, and I'll put those in the show notes for you. But this is my most powerful tool. Reframing helps you take negative stuff and then reinterpret it as neutral stuff. When you can make a negative thing into a neutral thing, you reduce the power that it has over you. Neutral things aren't going to set you off, so then your rational mind can actually deal with it. And studies have found that reappraisal skills and reframing skills are the key to keeping your prefrontal cortex engaged when negative stuff is present. But you can't just wake up and be like, okay, I'm gonna start reframing things now. You gotta practice. So the next time something sets you off, try to consider it in a different way. One big issue with drinkers is that everybody has power over us. Everybody has the power to set us off, to make us upset, and then we drink because of that. But what I want you to learn is how to control the way that you feel. I want you to take your power back and not let everyone and everything around you decide how you should feel. So reframing will help you do that. Number two, collect data about your drinking. The way that we can get out of denial that alcohol helps or that we could change the way that we drink someday is by becoming aware of the entire experience of drinking and what alcohol is really doing to you. We focus on that first hour, but the entire experience is the hours leading up to it where you start doing mental gymnastics about whether or not you should drink, that one or two hours of fun and relaxation, and then multiple hours of misery. We tend to blame ourselves for the miserable part, not the alcohol, but you need to work on your awareness so you can realize that alcohol is contributing to all the bad stuff like your anxiety, insomnia, depression, self-hatred, relationship problems, job performance, and more. And the way that you collect data is by trying to resist the urge to beat the crap out of yourself for drinking. Try to stay away from I'm a loser land and why do I always do this place? And instead just get curious. Why did you drink? What happened right before? Did alcohol actually help you? How did your night end? And how do you feel about yourself today? If you can analyze the entire experience instead of making it a morality thing, it'll help. And I have a free three-day email challenge, and the first day is all about taking the morality out of it. So I'll link that for you in the show notes if you want to go through it. Number three, making a rule to not respond to anything immediately. If you struggle with alcohol, then chances are you are probably pretty impulsive. I am too, but it's a lot better in sobriety. The worst thing that we can do is respond immediately in anger when someone says something that makes us mad. If you make a rule that you won't respond for 24 hours, then you'll probably feel a lot different about the situation by the time you go to handle it. Any type of tool or rule that we can use to prevent impulsive behavior is key. Something I do that really helps is if I'm typing out a cranky email, maybe the 24 hour rule isn't super realistic, but I get other opinions. I ask my friend or I ask my husband and then they're like, whoa, you cannot send that. And they help me niceen it up. So either wait 24 hours, wait 12 hours or get feedback before acting. Number four, stay busy and find something that you're passionate about. Being too busy is another avoidance coping mechanism, but being busy is a good thing too. So just be mindful of your intentions. Sitting around watching TV for hours and hours a day is our enemy. Remember that. I'm really passionate about my podcast and now about my podcast network, Sober Powered Media. This takes up Literally all of my time and mental energy, so I don't have time to care about stupid alcohol. If you're busy and you stimulate your mind with things that you're passionate about, then it'll help so alcohol doesn't invade your thoughts as much. I just got back from speaking at a podcasting conference, and there were three parties a day. Some of them were really like club scene, and I was there to work, and I just did not have time to care about stupid alcohol. I was really busy and I was focused on my work. So when you have more things in your life that are stimulating, you don't have as much time to care. Number five, find some go-to things that actually calm you down. And no, alcohol, food, and yelling at people don't count. This is where the rage walk comes in. If you're really upset and you feel triggered to drink or do something impulsive, then get outside and go on a walk. Stomp around your neighborhood listening to podcasts or really loud music or call a friend and vent. Just get it out. High energy emotions like anger and anxiety can't be stuffed down. It just makes them worse and come back later. So instead, find a way to get that out of your body. And number six, avoid your triggers as best you can. If social events are tough for you because you always end up drinking, then take a break from going to big things until you feel more confident in your sobriety. Sobriety makes us more selective too because standing around doing nothing gets pretty boring. When you feel the urge to leave because you're getting uncomfortable and bored, just get out of there. Don't judge yourself for not being fun anymore because really I bet you weren't very fun before. When we get super drunk, we get sloppy, mean, attention-seeking, dramatic, overly emotional, too touchy. Like, none of that is a fun person. So overall, if you have no tools, just own it, because once you accept that you have no tools, now you can learn some tools. So try to take the morality out of it. Try to stop going to the I'm a loser, I'm the worst person ever place. And just know that I really believe you can do this. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate if you could go leave a five-star rating and a review, because it helps people who need this information discover the podcast easier. And I'll put more episodes that you should listen to in the show notes, and I'll talk to you next week.